Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel... Go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we watch? What did we watch? That's what I asked you. You've already forgotten. It was very forgettable. So we watched uh, The Big September Man, an episode of Dragnet from the first season, uh, and that's the 11th episode, aired on May 8th, 1952. So this is not the color version, which most people uh, know and love. No, we're seeing Joe Friday in black and white, just like it's creators thinking about crime. So this, was this your first exposure to the black and white version? Yeah, I uh, never saw the black and white version before. 
what, what was your first impression comparing it to the color? Was it what you expected? <laughs> um, not really. I sort of expected uh the kind of weird, almost jolly surrealism of the color version where you're kind of you're in you're thrust into this vision of the world from creator Jack Webb. And this one this one felt different. At first, I think I was lulled into thinking it was classy because it was in black and white. I'm like, ah, yes, the color of noir. Touch a class. Touch a class. Uh, but then I just realized it was just fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, and I say that even though it's, uh, I, I, I've, I've watched with you a Dragnet episode where the whole premise is just Joe Friday and his partner Gannon uh, going and making weird sandwiches at having like a boys' sleepover. That was a pretty good Over episode. Over a weekend. Yeah, and that's the episode. That felt like it had more stakes, more drama, more tension than this episode where it's basically a serial killer case. So, yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> well, so what does that say about you? I just take sandwiches very seriously, Kevin. Yeah, lunch here is very stressful. <laughs> Everything must be just so. Man, I have it rough. Oh, for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, tell me, I mean, you're a Jack Webb, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Finish that sentence. I, <laughs> fan. A Jack Webb aficionado. Obsessy. <laughs> um, and, you know, where does this show stand in the context of the overall overarching dragnet development over time? Uh, Dragnet started as a radio show in the late 40s, became a TV show in the early 50s. This is the first season of that. I believe this was actually a script that was uh, reused from the radio show. And I think that that was out pretty apparent because uh, it was very talky. Uh, there weren't a lot of sets. It, it, it wasn't very visual. Uh, I ran, I believe, for maybe eight seasons, uh, went off the air, and then he brought Dragnet back in the uh, mid-60s. He did it for uh, about four years. Then he quit again, and he was preparing to bring it back in the early 80s when he sadly passed away. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, in the interim, he did uh, other programs that he uh Perhaps was more emotionally invested in. He was he loved jazz music. He did a show called Pete Kelly's Blues. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I'm just picturing it. He did a, a shows about other public service uh, agencies like Emergency, which uh, co-starred his uh, first wife and her second husband. That's big of him. Yeah, he uh, got to start doing. Uh, he did a Jack Webb comedy sketch show on the radio, which is bizarre to hear, but it's fascinating. <sighs> Sounds like a fascinating guy, but um, you know, I think I, I, I mean, to get started, I will tell you what what tricked me into thinking that this one would be would be more of a classy approach to Dragnet, a little bit more somber, a little bit more gritty, a little bit more uh, interesting than the color. It's just the intro. You know, it's all in black and white. It's very dark. It's very dim. It's literally the very same. It's literally the, it's the same thing, but in black and white. But when it looks when it's in black and white, it looks more ominous. It looks gritty. This is the city, you know. Shadows and streetlights. It's moody. So, I think maybe I'm just a sucker for black and white. But they didn't do that much with it 
to make it visually interesting, which is a shame. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be kind of interesting to see a more noirish dragnet. And then immediately, <laughs> immediately a cop walks up to Friday, asks him for a toothpick and they have what feels like a very long conversation about that. And it's in that, in that kind of quick patter, Jack Webb writing of like, it was brutal. The murder, I mean, you know, they always say shit like that. They're always like clarifying, clarifying clauses, just but the problem with this, even though it's similar to the the color uh, version dialogue that we know and love, it um, for some reason the audio blows. Did you notice that? Yeah, everybody seemed to be kind of mumbling. Yeah, this, um, this, 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 the murder this, was brutal. Wasn't that basically what the show was? I think we can end the episode right here because I think you just summed it up. (laughs) And, oh, the best part of this is everyone would pause for the dramatic dun-dun-dun-dun horns where they would be like, they would say something like, I guess this was her last day on the job. Dun-dun-dun-dun. And they'd both like kind of look off to the side. And I just imagine like right in view to everyone, there's just a big group of horn players who do that. And like everyone can see them. Everyone knows they're there in this universe because they basically interact with the horns. They almost break the fourth wall at those points. I think for your birthday next year, I should hire some horn players to follow you around. And you can say dramatic things whenever you want, and they could punctuate it. Honestly, that would be really nice. (laughs) (laughs) That would make make me feel taken seriously. You'd probably hire someone with like a, a, a penny whistle to follow me around. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you do anything embarrassing. Or perhaps a sad trombone. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be sad. But it would be funny. <laughs> That's all that counts. Yeah. Uh, and then I also hire some uh, people to f- fill me with a camera phone so I can capture it all, put it on YouTube. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, uh, basically a girl gets murdered at her office. Some go- How was she killed? She was bludgeoned to death with a pipe wrapped in paper. And they find a kind of a guy who's out of his mind, drunk, hitting his head on the, on the wall. Sounds suspicious. And he knows her. He knew her quite well. He was friends with her and she, he would often borrow money from her. He reveals to the cops under questioning that, uh, he covered for her when she was uh, cheating on her husband. So they had, an, you know, a bond over that basically. And so he immediately looks very suspicious to the police. Known connection to the victim. Check. Uh, you know, covered in blood and, you know, whatever. Garbage and dirt. Check. You know, he's very near the murder scene. Check. He claims to have visited her on the night of the murder. Check. So things are, things are not looking so hot for this uh, gentleman. But it's early enough in the episode that he can't possibly be the actual. You know, it's not him. You know, it's not him. And at this point, we are so fucking bored with this episode that we paused the fucking thing and drew this experience out more just to see the weird signs that the cops have pasted over like one of the central information desks in the station. Weird. It it had like (laughs) win to jail children. This is the LAPD, folks. 
Not making what, that up. It actually no. said that. When like, to jail kids. When and when not to jail kids. So. What did the other signs say? Uh, there was one uh, about what Code 3 justifies. I thought it said, <laughs> I thought it said for a second, code what what code three just titties <laughs> so i was going nuts for a minute <laughs> but um yeah uh so next we meet so basically for some reason they kind of they're not feeling the guy who's obviously did it the, the drunk guy they're kind of feeling like he's not usually violent why would he do this and that's when a report pops up. Oh, tell me about this report. New report. The report says that another woman was killed in a similar manner, pipe wrapped in paper. And the suspect was some dude who uh, is kind of nuts. And he has a brother who's a firefighter. And they go to interview the guy and get more information. And they realize that uh, this guy used to date the victim. But unfortunately for the audience... Uh, the firefighter, when he's talking to them, for some reason, sounds like they dropped him down a fucking well. <laughs> I don't know. He's standing right there and he's talking, but it's like, hello, yes, I did this. Like, <laughs> what's going on? The, the, the black and white dragnets, uh, it's a source of, of uh, contention and mystery as to what happened to the original masters of the program or whether oh. or not they even still exist. And so the handful of black and white dragnet episodes that are widely available tend to be ones that are second, third, or fourth generation copies. And so I think in theory, if we if the master of this could be found, I think the audio would probably be perfect. Yeah, I'm sure. And the image would be crisp. What happened? Like what why did they how did they lose them? It's a source of contention whether or not they were lost at all. Some people say they were lost. Some people say they're in a vault and just haven't been restored. Uh, I was reading an argument thread about this on Facebook just a month or two ago. What What do you believe? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I would really love for there to be a complete set of the black and white dragnets issued. That would make sense. I mean, it's a popular show. Uh, so there are several hundred episodes. It's also like super influential in the history of police procedurals, which people love. So it feels like there's an audience for that. Who's, whose vault would it be? Uh, maybe Universal? Oh, jeez. I think the, and there was a fire. Yeah, that fire. Yeah. yeah. That's so some good. people say, well, maybe they, they were lost there. The, the black and white episodes were widely syndicated decades ago. So there should be plenty of copies out there. But uh, if you try to buy episodes of the black and white uh, version of the series they're usually put out by public domain companies which issue the same 15 or 20 episodes in various configurations in various sets right that sucks that sucks that they died in a fire well maybe they maybe maybe they're still out there who knows uh i would love for there to be a complete set issued as i say i, th I think it would sell reasonably well i mean they they were able to make a profit off the color episodes i think the argument is the color episodes are more popular they're more easily accessible not just because they're in color but that's people saw it on nick at night for years uh they're kind of funny uh and over the top in a way that the black and white episodes aren't 
Because say what you will about this episode, it's not funny. No, it's not funny at all. It takes this up much, has a much more serious tone. Yeah, and the serious tone is not necessarily borne out by like good writing or you know a fascinating case. It's just kind of like, mm. I think actually this case would have worked better in like radio format. Yeah, because what we're seeing is basically a blur of <laughs> low, calm, talking men who are smoking and then talking in the on the phone in low, calm voices, wearing hats. Walking around a little bit, then dramatic trumpets come out of nowhere, and then we got some low, calm narration. But then that's life. <laughs> that's my life anyway. <laughs> that's life with Kevin. My name's Kane. <laughs> I carry a badge. My partner's name is Kevin. <laughs> Kane and Kevin. <laughs> Sounds like a cop show. Kane and Kevin. Are you the loose cannon cop or am I? Kane sounds like... I'm the loose cannon cop. That's just not even... That's obvious to everyone. Yeah. You're by the book, babe. No offense. I follow the rules. Bit of of a square. The rules were written for a reason. Oh. You follow the rules, you know how things get done. (laughs) You go off (laughs) half-cocked. You create more problems. I just want to get through this and retire. I I I I just want justice. That's what I want. Slam. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, <laughs> took the bit too far. But, um, you know, yeah, so we, we get to, uh, we get to, our, I mean, honestly, the mystery of what happened to the Masters is probably more interesting than what we're talking about in this episode. But the, um, we get to our central creepy figure, and he's actually the guy who might have been the murderer of this woman. He's actually a familiar face. Who is this guy, Kevin? Uh, you mean the character or the actor? The actor. <laughs> uh, I forget the name of the actor, but uh, a few months ago we did a color episode called Intelligence, and the actor who was the bad guy in that episode is also the bad guy in this episode. Uh, Jack Webb was one of those people who seemed to have a regular troupe of actors. If he liked you, he would use you over and over again because he really liked working with people he felt comfortable with. Honestly, good for him. I like giving people work again and again. So we 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 got to give him a thumbs up for that. Uh, I believe that man's name was uh, Stacy Harris in this episode playing the bad guy of William Tanner. And then in the intelligence episode, he was a white supremacist fascist nut who was running guns illegally. It's fun to see the same character actors pop up on one hand, but on the other hand, it just makes... It seemed like even if you're watching an episode you haven't seen before, if it's the bad guy from episodes you've seen before, you feel like you're watching a rerun of something you've already seen. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's just kind of like like the world of Joe Friday in some way is so monotonous that like the same faces keep popping up. It gives like a sense of almost like the character's mindset, sense of depression and meaningless. Yeah, you put Stacy Harris away, then the next week you have to put him away again. Yeah, he's doing other shit. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, like, it is kind of a depressing show. It, it, it Dragnet in general. Why do you say that? Well, like, it's like kind of this nerdy guy who's kind of comes out and is like, I'm going to do my job and talk in very calm, short sentences. And like, and like, just, the, just shit keeps happening. He's fighting the forces of evil and chaos and 
he's so dedicated that he doesn't really seem to have much of a private life. He has no private life. And it's this whole, like, you know, martyrdom thing, you know, and it's just, it's just like, ugh. But, like, I, I'm upset. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. So it's, it's certainly interesting. What about it fascinates you? Oh, just the, the insight into the creator's mind and kind of uh, it really does seem to have a huge influence on, uh, you know, modern day police procedurals. I mean, down to the fact that the character is so married to the job. Like what what would be novel at this point is to have a cop in a, you know, a main character cop in a police procedural who's very much dedicated to family time or personal time and like will set a set a quick, you know, hard boundary in most cases if if his job try or his or her job tries to intrude on that time. That would be novel. And then still does a good job and still is respected and admired. That would be novel, you know, having them, you know, hey, I'm about to get married. Oh, I got a call. The chief needs me. Runs away. <laughs> I mean, that's just just seems pretty stupid. It, it gives this kind of sense that you know, only I can solve the case. My my colleagues are fucking idiots. I need to get back in there and solve it. I, I just think that's kind of stupid. And one thing we see on Dragnet that we see in many other shows since is you have two cops working together. One is very solid, very professional, and very by the book, and maybe even humorless. And the other one is a bit of more of a wisecracker, a bit of a comic relief, a Lenny Briscoe type. But you know, in, in the in the case of Gannon, who's who's the kind of wacky partner in the color version, you know, he to 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 the to the kind of very somber Friday. Gannon's basically idea of a crazy time is like, "Hey, I bought socks with lobsters on them." Oh, and then like that has no bearing on anything. No one ever talks <laughs> it again. Friday looks very uncomfortable for him having brought that up, and it goes nowhere. So it's kind of a hilarious version of the. Uh, the wacky guy. He's not like a loose cannon cop who's like going to go like shoot up a place. He's just like, he's more of like, that's the best place for flapjacks in town. And everyone ignores him. And then he just keeps talking. <laughs> but he's giving you glimpses into his private life. That's shocking. Friday looks so uncomfortable whenever he's talking. He's looking at him like, when are you going to stop? <laughs> please, please stop right now. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about your socks. It's too personal. Too intimate. <laughs> Friday's Friday's the guy who would like get really uncomfortable if like like a waiter or a service person was like calling him Joe by his first name. He'd just be like oh. he, he just, he's such a weird character. I believe in the black and white episodes he lives with his mother. Yeah, I guess. She's presumably passed away before the color episodes. Yeah. And the creepy thing is like Everybody in the color episodes is constantly asking about him when he's going to get married. And it's just like, what are we, why are we fixated on this? So, so we, we, so Mr. Stacy, old Stace is playing, uh, this guy, uh, who has all of a sudden found God. So that's obviously suspicious to Friday. So Friday and his partner go to this guy's creepy, like storefront church and, uh, interrogate him for a while and sort of get his opinions on things. So how does that go, Kevin? How does that go? You don't remember a goddamn thing about this episode, do you? It's been like, what, 20 minutes since we've seen it? <laughs> there was lots of scowling. I remember there were lots of meaningful looks between lots the two looks, detectives. Yeah. I just wrote down, Dragnet, the show that's not afraid to be creeped out by born-again Christians. <laughs> He's like, God's my friend. And they're just looking at each other like, oh, fuck. 
fuck. <laughs> he does uh, tell them that uh, one of the victims was a, a sinner, and so he had to kill her. Yep. After a long, drawn-out, awkward conversation about, you know, religion and how he knew the victim, and, you know, he's, oh, well, she was going out, and, you know, she was bearing her ankles, and she was drinking and carousing with uh, sinful men, and I warned her, I warned her what I was going to do, and then eventually he's like, yeah, I killed her, so. And then Friday, shock. You know, Friday counters where, you know, so she's a sinner, but, you know, what sin is worse than murder? And and Stacy looks like freaked, legitimately freaked out, like he never considered that. Holds his head in his hands. Da, 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 da. Oh, jeez, you're right. Well, what did I do? Whoops. <laughs> oh no. That's why they put erasers on pencils. No on, take yeah. backsies on this one, Stace. Just for that's <laughs> just so dumb. God. Can you imagine if you went up to like a crazy religious fundamentalist who's killed someone and been like, but didn't the Bible say not to murder? And they'd be like, oh, shucks, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> if it were that simple, people wouldn't do stuff like that. <laughs> but Dragnet's here to say that you shouldn't kill people ever. And, uh, you know, but or have any normal human emotions or connections <laughs> with other people at all. I kind of love it, though. If he, you know, in a way, by being so awkward, he almost Friday almost feels like a real person. Really? Well, it's a huge flaw. He's so unrealistic. It almost feels realistic. He's got so many idiosyncrasies. Yeah, it almost feels like. He's a character you can more of like lock onto. But aren't like all the police officers, at least in this black and white version, kind of just like him? But it was you're not an focused in, on it them. was an endless blur of white middle aged men mumbling and looking meaningfully at each other. <laughs> and literally, it was a blur because of the quality of the print. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it looked like shit. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, in this case, yeah. But, I mean, by the time we get to the color version, that's certainly not the case. And the color version almost everybody else seems to have a life. When we when we were right, we were on a road trip, we were listening to episodes of Dragnet, the radio series. That felt like the superior version of this show. Because you weren't distracted by the shitty visuals or just the uninteresting visuals. Even if the color had been, even if this uh, image had been crisper, you know, there's not much to look at. So that felt like a better version of this premise and the show. Because you could kind of use your imagination to fill in the blanks than uh, this iteration, black and white. Whereas the color version, at least the color and, the, and, the, and those whatever scenes, they added something to an extent. Even though this, you know, was still really cheaply made and there were only a few sets and whatever. I so feel what, like we got something out of it. So those. what changes would you make to the show to make it work for viewers in 2021? Well, Is that even possible? I, I don't know if you could. You know, I mean, this the, there's like the kind of the, the, the network police procedurals that are super popular. Dads love them. You know, moms love them. They're kind of for the older generation. Um, and, you know, some of them can be fun. Some of them can be boring, whatever. But like they all, they all are going to be a little bit more dynamic than 
uh, Dragnet at, at its most dynamic because they're going to have kind of a quirky, usually it's like a quirky team and like, you know, we're the team, you know, the criminal minds people or we're the NCIS people and we're all going to work together and solve the case, you know, um, you know, or you're going to have a, like a prestige drama and then that's, you know, there's going to be a certain level of expectation for the writing and, you know, so Dragnet, while it maybe gave us some of the tropes, you know, feels very of its time, you know, where it maybe broke some boundaries and, and kind of uh, made some things happen with the genre, but it sort of feels like it'd be hard to resurrect. And frankly, I mean, it's so tied to Jack Webb, you know, with him gone, it sort of feels like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you could really do it a lot, a lot of justice. We were talking about the movie. Maybe we'll watch that for mystery to me one day, but, um, the one from the fifties and one from the eighties. Uh, the one with Dan Aykroyd. He did a really good job channeling Jack Webb, like to a scary degree, with with the Friday character in that. But the whole the problem was, even though he was bringing his A game, the whole movie around it didn't necessarily feel like Dragnet. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. So it's like you know you could have an element that would be really good for a Dragnet resurrection, but the whole picture sort of needs Webb or you know somebody who really understands Webb's sensibilities to make it authentic Dragnet. And, you know, maybe, maybe like authentic dragnet isn't snappy or interesting enough for a wider modern audience. Uh, the last time they tried a version of dragnet was back in 2003 when uh, Dick Wolf, who basically owes his career to dragnet, in my opinion, he's the creator of the Law and Order uh, franchise. He did a show called Dragnet, later called L.A. Dragnet, with Joe Friday played by Ed O'Neill. Okay. Who uh, was an Al Bundy on Married with Children, and he's also the uh, old man married to the younger woman on Modern Family. Oh, sounds familiar. Uh, it, it's, I mean, that, that would not be... That show be only my, lasted like a season. That would not be my pick. I mean, he's a good actor, but that would not be my pick for Friday. Okay. Who uh, would be your pick? Who's my pick for Friday? For Modern Day Friday? I don't know. I really don't know. Who can do kind of like... Like he he's got to be, he's got to be effortlessly square. Like it can't be like, oh, I'm this like hot young actor who they put glasses on. You have to actually, like you have to really embody that. You have to be a square, and not in like a cute self-deprecating way. Like oh, I tripped on my own feet and I fell over and knocked over a statue. It has to be like, this is a guy who's just not fun at parties. Would Chris Evans work? No. Captain America? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who would you pick? I, I, don't, like, I feel like you have to have a certain level of charisma to get by in Hollywood these days. So like that would immediately cancel you out in my in my opinion for this character. You'd almost need to like go to like like some random pl- you know, I I like I don't know, like you'd have to like go up to some guy on the street and be like, You're Joe Friday, come with me. <laughs> Cut to Kevin walking down the street, and all of a sudden, a Hollywood producer screeches to a halt in front of him and grabs him. <laughs> that's what you arranged for my birthday. Yeah. That's... Um, I don't know. What, what do you have? Someone in mind? A name in mind? No. Do you think anyone could do it? No one really comes to mind. Sound off and email uh, mystery to me podcast at gmail dot com if you have your ideal uh, idea for. Casting a modern day Joe Friday. 
and you want to waste some part some part of your precious time emailing us about who your who your uh, ideal person is. I thought Dan Aykroyd did a good job. Yeah, he was fine. And Harry Morgan as Gannon was in the movie too. But you know, it, that'd be you'd have to have somebody who can be really kind of a square. It's not a sexy character. <laughs> Would you have a, a female Friday? No, I mean maybe. It sounds like a bit of a sexist. If you could, if you could get the perfect woman to play it who can also be a, like a total square but not in an endearing way like so often women like nerdy women in films are just like oh she wears glasses you know or like she has her hair up and then like she takes her hair down and everyone's like what a babe and it's like that it could not be that you'd have to be just really be able to really lean into being fucking awkward and not fun so I'm the perfect person to do it <laughs> <laughs> I have been not cute awkward plenty of times in my life. Now, Anya, you know you're not the least bit awkward. Oh, you're charming and a delight. Kevin. <laughs> I could be pretty fucking awkward when I want to be. I've never seen you be awkward. Well, you're just blinded by your love for me. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've definitely been the Joe Friday in the room. At points in my life. What's that like? Lonely. <laughs> it's very lonely. But you know. Everybody has Joe Friday moments. Yeah, I, I guess. It's a depressing way to start to wrap up the episode. I know. Jeez. <laughs> well, now we can both be Joe Friday together, Kevin. So you think I'm Joe Friday, too? He, he seems to embody a certain isolation that I think you and I have both felt. Uh. But we're together now. <laughs> so everyone else can breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. So there's a Friday. If you're a Friday, there's a Friday out there for you, too. And thank God it's Friday. <laughs> so uh, to wrap up this uh, episode, uh uh, we we learned through a title card that a psychiatrist declared old Stace completely sane. So and they killed him. He's executed in a gas chamber at San Quentin. The end. <laughs> what the fuck? That's like, <laughs> like uh, I love how they do that. They don't even, like, they just get to their arrest. They don't do any denouement or like, they, like denouement. They don't do that. And, uh, you know, they just kill this guy off screen. No fuss, no muss. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's very standard with Dragnet. Very abrupt. They always end with the arrest, and then there's a title card telling you what the ultimate resolution is. Yes. Yikes. And you always see the person, the bad guy, or the you know the criminal standing there, like looking solemnly at the screen, and then they killed this man. <laughs> like, oh, cool. <laughs> Jesus. No matter how you feel about the death penalty, it's unsettling. But wouldn't you love that? Like when you met people at parties or whatever, suddenly there's like a title card telling you their ultimate fate. Oh my God. That's just dark. <laughs> this guy got drunk and drove off a bridge. Dun, 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 dun. 
Jesus Christ. So what was your take on this one? I prefer the color episodes. Yeah. I think this one had me saying, wake me up when September ends. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.